Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. And they are here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done well. Have you had a leaky roof? We did, and it was a nightmare. But through Angie, we found an amazing roofer who specialized in flat roofs, and he fixed it right and quickly. Angie can help you find the best price for your project. Angie lets you request and compare quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. Angie has cost guides that tell you what others have paid for similar projects, both nationally and in your area. Get started at Angie.com, that's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. The app and website are both free to use. That's Angie.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And we've got a really big program for you today. I want to start out with, is America having a foreign-led Joe McCarthy movement? Or moment, actually. Uh, both, actually. Uh, we'll get into that in just a moment. And is the billionaire sabotage of the Democrats baked in? Uh, and this is a kind of a deep issue. We'll get into that. Charles Sauer, the uh, conservative economist, is going to drop by. i got two questions for him. Number one, uh, why does he object to offering dental, vision, and hearing to seniors? <laughs> you know, why to compose, why, you know, via Medicare? Why do, why do conservatives oppose that? And uh, does he think that the Republican Party is going to move in 2024 toward Donald Trump or toward Liz Cheney? Or, you know, the Romney wing of the party, shall we say. And we'll find out what he has to say about this. But I want to start out with this just absolutely amazing story that I saw it on multiple other websites you know, over the last couple of days. I actually dug into the study at MIT Technology Review, which is a thing, it's a magazine or a website, and there's this amazing article, and embedded in the article are actual documents laying this stuff out that this moment that we're having right now in the United States of being essentially torn apart on what appears to be multiple levels. We had a guy call in yesterday and talk about how his brother uh, is convinced that, uh, you know, the COVID shot is some deep state conspiracy, uh, you know, something. He, he wasn't certain, I'm not certain you know, exactly what his brother's objection was, but he was an anti-vaxxer. And so he caught COVID, he gave it to their mother, mom died. Right. This this story is happening a couple thousand times a day, every day right now in the United States of America. It's destroying families. It's 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 creating grief and pain. And 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 that's just the deaths. 
you know, as, as we reported yesterday, 37% of people who have symptomatic COVID still have symptoms six months later. Long COVID is a thing. So why is this being promoted? You know, this, this whole idea of don't, don't trust the vaccine. Why is that being promoted? Why is, why is right-wing vigilantism being promoted? Where is this whole hysteria about critical race theory? Oh, they're showing, you know, where right-wingers with guns are showing up in, at school boards and things. How is this stuff being driven on social media? Well, it turns out, you know, as, I, as I write in my piece today over at HartmanReport.com, this isn't the first time that our country has been torn apart by hustlers selling us a bill of goods. Joe McCarthy did this in the 1950s when I was a little tiny kid, uh, basically saying, you know, I have in my hand a list of communists who've infiltrated the State Department and the Army. He had just made that up, right? Roy Cohn came up with this scheme. Roy Cohn, who was Donald Trump's lawyer also, came up with this scheme to help turn Joe McCarthy into one of the most famous politicians in America, and it worked. But it was a complete lie. It destroyed thousands of lives. But that was a homegrown program. I mean, you know, McCarthy was blaming it on the Soviet Union, but it was Joe McCarthy who was out of America. So what happened... What, what's happening now? I mean, this, this appears to be something that is happening all across the country. Well, this, uh, Karen Howe at uh, the MIT Technology Review uh, received a, apparently a leaked copy of this internal Facebook document from October of 2019, um, uh, just a little short of two years ago, which found that around there are around 15,000 different Facebook, uh, Facebook refers to them as pages. You might think of them as groups or as sites. Um, but in any case, internally, Facebook refers to them as pages that are run by foreign troll farms. The largest Christian American page on Facebook, 20 times larger than the next largest, is run by a foreign troll farm in a for former Soviet Union country. These are... Uh, I mean, it's just, it's incredible. The, the largest African-American page on Facebook, three times larger than the next largest, reaching 30 million users every month. The Christian one is reaching 75 million users every month. Again, run by a troll farm out of Macedonia. The second largest Native American page on Facebook, reaching 400,000 users. The fifth largest women's page on Facebook, reaching 60 million U.S. users every month, is run by a troll farm out of the former Soviet Union. What the hell is going on here? It turns out, in all probability, and although Facebook doesn't, in this leaked report from Facebook, which is over on the Technology Review, the, the MIT Technology Review article, which I link to in my article, so you can find it if you're looking for it. It's over at HartmanReport.com. Um, they don't speculate about political motives but what they do point out is that, I, actually I believe that they pointed out in there, if they don't, it's, it's fairly obvious that, um, and I believe that the MIT Technology Review points it out, that most of these sites that are run by these foreign troll farms are linking to websites that they own that look like they are news sites or science sites, in the case of phony COVID science, that are that, that have that are covered with advertising. So they're making money doing this. 
it's not just, hey, let's destroy America. In fact, it might not even at all be, hey, let's destroy America. It's just, hey, let's use social media's algorithms. Let's milk them to make millions of dollars. I mean, this is amazing. When, when this report was written in October of 2019, of the top 20 American Christian sites on Facebook, of the top 20, 19 were run by troll, foreign troll farms. Of the top 15 African-American sites, 10 of them were run by foreign troll farms, including the one that sat at number one. Now, we know that in 2016, the Russian troll farms and, and, and probably other countries as well, Saudi, uh, maybe UAE, other troll farms, were working to get Donald Trump elected. Right? I mean, the Mueller report laid that one out. That's, you know, clearly political motive. But now we've got people protesting at hospitals, assaulting election officials, showing up in force to intimidate local school boards. And the one thing that they all seem to have in common is that this is all being driven by social media. And, and by the way, there's even an older picture. This is a year ago, you know, in 2020, in the, in the late summer of 2020. I wrote about this, and we talked about this at the time. This was a year and a half ago. Um, in, in Klamath Falls, a little town just down the road from us, 200 locals showed up downtown one night, one Sunday night, with guns, baseball bats, and whatever weapons they could find, hammers, chainsaws, to fight off what they were convinced were going to be busloads of black Antifa people, marauders, that Jewish billionaire George Soros was paying to put on buses in Portland and sell, send into their little white town. That was in Klamath Falls. But it wasn't just in Klamath Falls, Oregon. It turns out they were happening all over the country. That week, in Falls, Washington, frightened white people brought out chainsaws and cut down trees to block roads in leading into their town. In South Bend, Indiana, the police were overwhelmed by 911 calls from frightened white people who'd read that on social media that the Antifa buses from George Soros filled with black people were arriving any minute now in South Bend, Indiana. In rural Luzerne County, Pennsylvania, the same thing was happening. The same thing was happening in Danville, California and in Jacksonville, Florida. All the same weekend. And it was all just a fiction. Just like the COVID, you know, the, the COVID fantasies about, oh, the vaccines are filled with baby parts or they, they're, they're not, they don't work or they're dangerous. They are fiction. But this nationwide campaign in hundreds of social media groups turned thousands of angry and well-armed white Americans out into the streets with extraordinarily similar stories all across the country all at the same time. And a year later now, they're putting angry mobs in front of the homes of state election officials, school board members, and attacking healthcare workers. I've got some questions. And I don't think we have any clear answers here. I mean, the, the MIT Technology Review Report, which I linked to in, in, in my piece at Hartman Report, talks about, you know, I mean, it kind of identifies where this is coming from. And that, that I mean, that links to the Facebook. Facebook discovered this a couple of years ago. Some of them are still running, by the way, these sites on Facebook. But is this a bunch of, just a bunch of foreign hustlers trying to make a buck? Being, you know, fueled by Facebook's algorithms? 
Is that all that's going on here? Or are we still under assault like we were in 2016 during the election that brought Donald Trump to power? Are we still under assault from foreign governments or overseas oligarchs who want to see America in turmoil for a whole variety of reasons? The things that will benefit them and hurt us, particularly hurt democracy. Are, are they still driving this train? Is it both? I mean, don't we as Americans deserve to know how this whole thing is being orchestrated when it, when it so clearly appears to be being orchestrated? Excuse me. I mean, we're playing whack-a-mole trying to knock down this stuff. But I think Congress needs to act. I think that we need to have a serious, a serious look into what's going on here because we're not getting it. And uh, this, is, this is very concerning and very troubling. By the way, it looks like Congress is going to keep the uh, doors open. Uh, you know, we're not going to have a government shutdown. We'll, we'll know at the end of the day, but it looks like we're not going to have a government shutdown. But that doesn't mean that the next year has been funded. It doesn't mean that the debt ceiling has been raised. It just means that they're going to fund the government for a few months until December. December 3rd, I think, is the date that we're talking about. So we can have this fight all over again right after the election. Or right, excuse me, a year, right as the 2022 election cycle begins. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Stick around. But, you know, with regard to this whole social media thing, are we being played or are we just being milked for cash? John in Seattle. Hey, John, what's up? Well, I, I've been listening and I'd like to know more about where and how you learned about these overseas troll farms exactly and i'd like to know the from facebook website from facebook and the if you go to hartmanreport.com the top story right now has links in it both to the leaked internal facebook document itself in in its entirety and yeah. the mit technology review article written by karen howe uh that lays you out are- that and puts it okay. in context so you know it's Got all it's all right there john you can check it out Chaz in Lakewood, Washington. Hey, Chaz, what's on your mind today? Buenos dias, mi hermano. <laughs> How are you doing? You know, hey, pretty soon uh, we're going to start getting into obscure languages here. <laughs> you're, you're, you're cutting in and out a little bit, Tom. Say that again, please. I said we're going to have to start uh, getting into more obscure languages here. But anyhow, what's up, Chaz? No, no. Uh, okay, all right. I, t- I take up the challenge, Professor. That'll be my uh, final essay. Uh, let's see. Now, um, when it comes to foreign interference, yeah, you know, you try to debate with uh, people who go, oh, there's no uh, evidence of uh, foreign interference. I'm like, no, no. All three of our intel agencies, uh, the uh, NSA, the CIA, the FBI, all say that it happened, and 17 intel agencies globally say it. Now, and the nice thing, too, is you you start pointing out some facts of these uh, trolls, and they fold faster than Superman on laundry day. Now, um, the foreign interference also extends to, of course, Rupert Murdoch. I mean, they threw him out of his native land, and he went to, uh, because he destroyed it, and then he went to England, and he destroyed it. Then he went to America. What the heck did we expect was going to happen? Yeah. Yeah, there, there is that. <laughs> there is that. But I, I, I you know, the, 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 the point of foreign intervention in our country right now, I think, is a big deal. 
I, you know, I think, uh, you know, it, uh, intervention by anybody just to make money, you know, damaging our country just to make money. Um, but, you know, here's, the, here's the, I, uh, probably the bigger question and one that uh, I might even edit my op-ed here today to include uh, when we hit the break at the bottom of the hour and I have a couple of minutes, is if Facebook can effectively and successfully keep uh, child porn and snuff videos and other types of just what they consider highly objectionable content off their site. Why can't they keep this stuff off their site? Is this highly profitable stuff off their site. Is there some discussion about breaking up Facebook? Well, that's that's for Congress, and and yeah, you know, I'm of the opinion that they're operating, uh, you know, the the that they are functionally a monopoly and probably should be. But that's, uh, I I don't think that that's the core of the problem. I I think the core of the problem is that they're behaving irresponsibly, and it's not just Facebook. This is right across, you know, social media. I mean, YouTube yesterday announced that they're going to start taking down anti-vax videos. Yesterday. I mean, where oh, were yeah, they? Yeah. Where were where were they in December when the vaccines were developed? And um, YouTube is doing the same thing. Yeah. So it's it's you know, which is Google. I mean, you know, it's like and 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 then you know, you've got smaller social media companies that that apparently are, you know, I don't know what LinkedIn is doing and whatnot, but uh, this this is this is a this is an issue, shall we say? Thanks Thank a lot for the call, Chaz. Nice to hear from you. It's 22 minutes past the hour. We'll be back with. Uh, more of our program, and I want to get into this this uh, whole issue of the billionaire sabotage of the Democrats. Is this baked in uh, right after this? Stick around. Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. So David Sirota is uh, writing this morning. This uh, this is this, this question of is... Is the inability of today's Democratic Party to, uh, to pass the, the Build Back Better legislation, to pass President Biden's agenda? He's the leader of the party. He's the president of the United States, and he's the leader of the party. Is the inability of the parties, is, is the inability of the Democratic Party to pass that agenda baked in? Is this, and, and, and this, I, I think this is a really interesting piece that uh, David Strode and Andrew Perez published on their website over at dailyposter.com. Uh, it's about Representative Josh Gottheimer, although it's not, I mean, this is not a problem that is unique to him. Uh, you know, we have the same problem here in Oregon with Kurt Schrader, for example. But, but uh, Gottheimer has been all over the media, right? He's, I, I've seen him on TV probably four or five times in the last two weeks. He's the uh, Democratic congressman from New Jersey, representing himself as a problem solver. The Problem Solver Caucus, of course, was created by No Labels, and No Labels is a group that was created by a bunch of Wall Street hedge fund guys. So it's, it's big money. Basically owns Josh Gottheimer. And he's been doing this media tour to try to basically blow up President Biden's agenda. And according to David Sirota, he's doing it by and large on behalf of Blackstone Group, a wealthy private equity group whose wealthy executives are collectively Gottheimer's top campaign contributors. And by the way, if this legislation passes, their taxes are going to go up, and they're not happy about that at all. Uh, they funneled uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars to campaign cash to Gottheimer, 
And his wife, Marla Tusk, works for a lobbying and consulting firm who has Blackstone as a client. He got, he got a half a million bucks in the last election cycle alone from private equity in the investment industry, making him the, the House of Representatives top recipient of private equity and investment industry money in the entire U.S. House of Representatives last year. That's from OpenSecrets.com. Now, now he's insisting, oh, no, no, we want to pass the reconciliation legislation. We just want to do it separately from the so-called bipartisan bill. The one that they call a $1 trillion bill is actually you know, seven, 700 and change billion. And, it's got, and it does virtually nothing to stop climate change. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Call 202-808-9925. It's the money in politics, stupid. I mean, that's, that's the mantra that we need to be reciting. And, uh, you know, courtesy of the Supreme Court and Citizens United, we need to do something about it. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. On the line with us is Charles Sauer, the libertarian economist and president of the Market Institute. He's the uh, marketinstitute.org is the website. He's the author of a book, Profit Motive, What Drives the Things We Do. And uh, his uh, Twitter handle is Charles, Charles Sauer, S-A-U-E-R, or at Market Institute. And Charles, welcome back. It's been a while since we've talked. I'm, I'm, I'm curious what your, and generally I'm, I'm assuming the Republican objection is to the Democrats wanting to expand Medicare to include dental, vision, and hearing aids for seniors. 
Well, I think that there's uh, several layers of objections. First off, this is a an infrastructure bill. So while I do find this is a, a, a good debate to have, I think that we should uh, really fund our roads and bridges and then talk about this in a separate debate. But if we just fast forward to what that debate would look like, Look, Medicare itself isn't a great program. If we want to talk about possibly spending more money to give doctors better pay and see more patients and actually take Medicare patients, that would be a quality debate. But expanding an already broken program doesn't work. And the left likes doing this a lot. If you look at Medicaid in particular, over the past few years, there's been nothing but talk about expanding the Medicaid population. But there's still 7 million people in the country that qualify for Medicaid but are not enrolled. And those are the people that we should be going after if the left actually supports insuring uh, the poor. And in this case, I even support focusing on that group. So, look, I think there's a lot of room in health care. Expanding to dental and vision is frivolous. You've got 12 you know, Republican-controlled states that have not expanded Medicaid, but that's, that's kind of a separate issue. Um, so what would you say to somebody over 65 who is retired, has, you know, is living on a fixed income, on a pension or Social Security, who needs to have their teeth fixed, needs to get a pair of glasses, needs hearing aids, and can't afford it, and Medicare is their insurance policy. It's, it's how they get their health insurance. Um, you just say, you know, screw you or go buy a Medicare Advantage plan from a you know, private insurer. Um, and and then when you get really, really sick, <laughs> you won't you know, you, you won't have any coverage, basically. Uh, I don't know what you're basing that statement off of, but yeah, sure. Medicare Advantage, if Congress was to focus on putting people into Medicare Advantage plans, people are they already are getting medical fact, and dental the, 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 along with it. Yeah, the Medicare. In fact, the, my wife. Go ahead. My wife is on Medicare, and she has a dental coverage as a part of her care. So, I mean, look, it's already out there. If people want to do it, the Medicare Advantage plans are better than Medicare itself. They are and not. Both plans they are absolutely not, problem. Charles. The Medicare Advantage plans are not better than Medicare. The, you are back in private, for-profit, corporate insurance, and once you get expensive, they have they have two policies, right? They they they, they, they are two two uh, things that they do. The first is called cherry picking, which is hey, let's pick up you know low cost people who don't cost us a lot of money. Healthy people will offer like free gym memberships, but then once and then the, the other thing is called lemon dropping in the industry, and that is when you get older and sicker and more expensive make it harder and harder and harder, make people fight harder and harder to have their bills paid, refuse to pay, throw up roadblocks and obstacles. There was a piece that was published in, uh, well, across the media, I think it came out of Reuters just last week, that said that the largest percentage of people who are shifting out of Medicare Advantage and back into a traditional Medicare are people in the last year of their life because suddenly they're getting expensive and the, and the health insurance companies are dropping them. Um, that's my objection to Medicare Advantage. But, but again, there are, you know, t- t- about 60% of Americans who are over 65 are on Medicare. And, and so your objection is what again? Look, we need to focus on making Medicare good. Do you object to making Medicare a quality program? Because that's what you're doing here. I think, it's yeah, that's by adding dental and vision and hearing. That's what you're doing to it. You're, you're improving no. the system. 
Look, if you go to a restaurant that serves hamburgers and they can't serve a hamburger correctly, do you say maybe you should also add trout and steak to your menu? We're not talking no, about restaurants here. We're talking about Medicare. on making a hamburger. Yeah, you're trying to say, look, you can't provide health care. You can't provide primary care correctly. But I'll tell you what, we're also going to add dental and vision so the government won't do that as well either. That isn't a good plan. Charles, I've been on Medicare for five years. It is primary care and getting things correctly. That's untrue. You can't find a doctor that takes Medicare. That's, Look, that's we not tried. true. I have a doctor. When we, <laughs> when we try to find a doctor on a, in our area, it's really hard. And in the end, my wife and I can afford to go out of network. So it's not a problem. We don't have to find a doctor that's enrolling Medicare patients because we can do that. That's not what everybody in the So the if US you're making the do. case that Medicare is broken. Yep. It sounds to me like what I'm saying is, okay, Medicare is broken, let's fix it. Let's, at the very least, add dental and vision and hearing aids. And what you're saying is, screw Medicare, let's go with private health insurance, uh, also known as Medicare Advantage, and just let people buy into that. That's, that's basically the bottom line here, right? You're just saying... So I believe that Medicare. private insurance or Medicare Advantage is better than Medicare. Yeah. However, I'm saying that if you wanted to take the moral high ground and make a reasonable argument, you wouldn't say, let's expand a broken system. You would say, let's spend money fixing this system so it's actually providing they good are the same care. Thing. That is expanding not. Expanding it and fixing it are the care. same thing. Look, that's telling a failing business to do something else. Medicare is not a failing business. People it. love that's Medicare. That's a recipe for disaster. Okay, I, we've 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 beat that's this the one only in the thing ground. Charles, I, I have a, a political Medicare. question for you. Of course, they like Medicare. It's uh, like asking if people like Putin in Russia. Of course, they like Putin. That's the only person they can vote for. You know, if I say I like if if I say I like or I hate Medicare, nobody's going to put me in prison. Come on, Charles. This is this is neither here nor there. Uh, you know, another red herring. Let's not do that. People um, speaking Medicare speaking advantage, of vote. Speaking of, like of, of of Putin, Russia, and his bu- best buddy Donald Trump. In 2024, it's looking like Liz Cheney might be getting ready to run for president, which would be a resurgence of the anti-Trump faction of the Republican Party. Uh, and it's uh, you know looking like Donald Trump is planning on running for president in 2024. How do you see this shaking out in the party that you're most closely aligned with? Well, I think you know me enough to know that this kind of makes me want to cry a little bit, but it's really looking towards the uh, party of Donald Trump. Um, Look, this is politics uh, overall. Uh, You and I, we argue on here, but at the end of the day, you and I both agree on where the country should go, and we're willing to debate the policies to get there. We differ on what policies we want to get there, but we're willing to debate that. I think that if we look in the Republican Party, and even if you look at the Democratic Party, where you can see the infrastructure bill failing right now, um, we have these splits. And so, uh, but if you look at Missouri in particular, when they ask people uh, whether they're Trump Republicans, traditional Republicans, liberal Republicans, about 40% of the people in Missouri are currently identifying as Trump Republicans. And um, I still don't even really know what a Trump Republican is, besides somebody who is just identifies as supporting President Trump because he doesn't really represent Republican ideals. Yeah, it's a cult. I mean, it's just it's a cult of personality. So you and and that 40 percent of Republicans in Missouri, um, it just taking your numbers at face value. And I I don't think you've ever just, you know, overtly lied to me about something like that. So I'll I'll believe you. 
Um, wouldn't you guess that probably that is the, the so-called base of the Republican Party and that there's a lot of people who are registered as Republicans who are not you know, the, the people who show up in primary elections. I mean, if, it, if, it's a, if you've got 40% Trump in the party, you probably have 60 or 70% Trump in the hardcore base that shows up for primaries. Or do you think I'm wrong? Uh, I, I think you're right, although I would change the words a little bit. I don't think that that 40% is the base of the Republican Party, but I do think it's Trump's base. And I agree with your statement that supporting Trump is kind of like a, a cult of support. And so I do believe those those people will show up. I think Trump expanded what the Republican Party was. So we brought in um, new people that hadn't necessarily been Republicans before. But I think the base of the Republican Party are what I would consider uh, like Pence supporters or maybe Liz Cheney supporters. However, uh, they've been drowned out and some of them have been um, moved into the camp or the cult of Trump. And so I think that they are going to dominate the primaries. And if you're talking to campaign consultants right now, all of them are telling their candidates to move into the cult of Trump if they want to get elected. So does that mean that, you know, the Trump uh, faction prevails in 2022 and 2024, the Republicans take power again, and they take power in a totally Trumpy way, which is basically Viktor Orban, that the United States ceases to be the United States and becomes like Hungary? Uh, I it's really hard to answer, but I do think that the Republicans are going to take control over the House again. Look, they have to take over, what, like five seats, and I believe right. that the average in a midterm is something like 25 seats. So in all likelihood, they're going to take back over the House. If the Trump team gets elected um, and they're in the majority, I think that we see um, the Republican side be or the Trump side of the Republican Party getting to take a victory lap. Um, they're likely not to prevail in doing anything, though, with a Democratic president and a Democratic Senate. So um, what what do they have? I don't know. Hopefully we fast forward and some sanity returns to the Republican Party. I know that you might uh, disagree with me that it was there at any time. But um, look, as a libertarian, that's the side I've been on. That's the side I'm going to be on. Um, we just need to re-educate those, uh, that 40 percent and see uh, if we can get them back on the team uh, Team rational. Am I hearing Charles Sauer call for Stalin-like re-education camps? Mao Zedong? <laughs> no, no, not today. But if the, if Trump keeps up, you might hear me switch over. Okay, Charles Sauer, MarketInstitute.org. Charles Sauer, S-A-U-E-R, over on Twitter. Charles, thanks. It's always good talking with you. Thanks for dropping by. Thank you. Susan in Phoenix, Arizona. Hey, Susan. Thanks for watching Free Speech TV. What's on your mind today? Yeah, I was just calling because everybody's so upset with the Democrats, and it seems to me that most of us had our eyes open when Trump got elected, and we saw the the force that was up against us. And this has been take going on for 40 years. They've been taking down different departments in the government. And I mean, even as he's talking about Medicare not working and all that, the Republicans have been working hard to take it down by firing people, same as the IRS. If we think that we're going to get stuff happen overnight, I really have a hard time with that. Shouldn't we be focusing on our power like they do, how to make it better for us to be able to do the things that we want to do, like the Supreme Court, like the number of uh, senators, like Washington, and the voter rights bill? Maybe we should be focusing on that first. 
And if we get... Oh, we tried uh, to. We tried to. I mean, H.R. 1 was the first priority, and it was going to be the first thing passed, and, and, and it ran into uh, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. Well, then somehow we need to get our... Uh, I don't know. This is, to me, uh, to give up just because we're not going to get this one bill passed. I think we need to rethink our It's not just this one bill. It's also the John Lewis Civil Rights Bill. It's also H.R. 1, the For the People Act. I mean, there's a, there's a whole bunch of pieces of legislation here, Susan, that have been passed by the House that are sitting in the Senate and are being blocked by filibuster. So even, like, even when we got this renter bill passed, where people were supposed to have their rent paid for, right. and only 11% of it got distributed. That's right. what I heard, anyway. Yeah. Now, there's a problem in government that's much deeper than just passing these bills and getting them to say yes to it. Yeah, and those I are mean, mostly local government like, problems, yeah. Yeah. No, it, I, well, I, maybe that's, yeah. I don't know. It seems like we're trying to do this overnight, and this happened to us 40 years. How do we, how do we get a grip and, and you know, refocus on our, uh, our support or our, our power? Yeah. I don't know. It just seems like uh, I don't think we're going to get everything done overnight. That's just my way of thinking, and I just hope Democrats don't give up, because if there's, if there's uh, weakness in our party, we can't give up. We got to. They Republicans haven't for forty years. Of course, they had the money to back them, but they also didn't have control of the media back then. Yeah. So I mean, everything's against us right now. We're going to have to uh, really th rethink our strategy. Maybe I don't know. That's my rant for the day. <laughs> I, no, I, I get it, Susan, and I get your frustration, and you're echoing what a lot of people say, and 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 in some ways, what I've been saying all along. But the, I, I think that we have to recognize that this isn't that you know, gee, there's terrible people in the Democratic Party or the Republican Party for that matter. It's that we are playing by the rules of the game that were established by the U.S. Supreme Court. And the U.S. Supreme Court said that if a politician wants to play in the political space in America and they want to sell their souls to rich individuals or big corporations or entire industries, that is perfectly legal. We used to call that corruption. We used to call that bribery. Now we call that free speech, according to the Supreme Court. And that's, that, I think that at the, at the bottom of everything, that's the crisis we're facing. Susan, thank you. And that's, and the people, and, and the For the People Act took that on head on, which of course is why the Republicans filibustered it in the Senate and why there were, you know, more than one senator who was not all that enthusiastic about it either. John Harbin here with you and uh, Danny in Waco, Texas. Hey, Danny, what's up? Hi. I was just listening to that guy talking about Medicare, and I'm a nurse that works in that. And most of these insurance companies, they base their claim, their payment on Medicare. If Medicare covers it, they'll because you usually have to call and ask. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they only pay 1.5 times what Medicare pays. Okay, and so. Over the last decades, we have allowed the government or people in Congress to really kind of break Medicare because they keep taking money out of it. They keep saying, "Okay, we got to lower the premium, we got to lower the repay because we got to cover more people." But the thing of it is, is they in turn are messing it up, you know, and they say, right. well, doctors don't want to take it. But there are some doctors who will take Medicare because Medicare pays within 45 days. Most of these insurance companies will, they'll, you know, file a 
for it to be paid, and then they send it back and go back and forth. But if you take Medicare, you know you're going to get your money in 45 days. Hmm. Interesting, from a nurse's yeah. perspective. Danny, thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, good talking to you. Uh, Larry in Los Angeles. Hey, Larry, what's up? Hey, um, I just watched CBS uh, Talking Heads getting all giddy over the fact that uh, Biden is having some trouble getting his um, his policies through. Right. And I also watched Joe Manchin make a comment saying that the $3.5 trillion, uh, program is the uh, definition of insanity. It's too many and tax loopholes to close. Can't do that. Now, I, he, he's saying this. He's aligning himself with basically with Republicans yep. after Donald Trump just spent $8 trillion in four years yeah. um, in deficits. And, yeah. and that's not the end of it. Uh, the the uh, Treasury and the... Um, the Federal Reserve added an additional $2 trillion to get his markets up, back up again. So that's $10 trillion that a, re, a failed Republican just spent in four years. And, and all of these, and, and Manchin and, and Cinema and all the Republicans are having a hissy fit over 3.5, over 10 years. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm trying, I'm sitting here trying to rack my brain. What is it that I'm seeing that none of these people on TV see? Yeah. Well, what it is, is, uh, you know, who's greasing the skids in the back room and and who's running the campaign? You know, you've got the Coke Empire trying to bring this down. You've got the business roundtable trying to bring it down. I'll be ranting about that in a little bit, but I'm with you, Larry. And you're the numbers guy. You really know this stuff well. Thank you. So this is weird. This uh, Tyler Huckabee writing over at Relevant Magazine. It's just an absolutely fascinating story. The MIT Technology Review has just gotten a hold of some leaked internal Facebook documents. So this is stuff that Facebook knew was going on. And somehow somebody inside Facebook decided to leak this to MIT. MIT published it. And here's the story. Actually, let me give you a, ba a little bit of backstory first off. Last week on this program, I did a story about how evangelical Christians or white evangelicals are now, when you look at the surveys that are done of these folks, more committed to Donald Trump than to Jesus Christ. They are, they more strongly identify as Republicans and specifically as Trump Republicans. They more, they more closely identify as Republicans than they do with the values of Christianity, with the teachings of Jesus. On point after point after point. And this is the entire white evangelical movement of the United States, which is tens of millions of, of white Americans. How did this happen? Well, now we're finding out. This is the story by Tyler Huckabee. Uh, over at Relevant Magazine, 19 of Facebook's top 20 pages for American Christians are run by Eastern European troll farms overseas. These people are pretending to be Americans. People assume that they're Americans. They are not. And this is coordinated among foreign professionals working together to spread a provocative content in the United States. Basically, they're trying to take down our country. And they're using religion to do it. And politics, obviously. Collectively, their Christian Facebook pages reach 75 million users a month. 
how are they reaching all these people? It's Facebook's algorithm that's pushing people into it because, hey, you know, uh, divisive stuff increases engagement. They're using the same strategy that was used by Russia in 2016 to get Donald Trump elected, using Facebook. And Facebook knew about this in 2016 and didn't do anything about it. They say now that they're doing something about it, which would be a, a good thing. But uh, this is uh, Jeff Allen, who used to be a senior-level data science, scientist at Facebook and is the author of this MIT report. He says, quote, our platform, he's referring to Facebook, our platform has given the largest voice in the Christian-American community to a handful of ba bad actors who, based on their media production practices, have never been to church. Where are these people coming from, these trolls, these troll farms? They're in Kosovo and Macedonia. Really? We've got, we've got American Christians following a, a political ideology masquerading as Christianity that is being promoted by Kosovars and Macedonians? Yes, it turns out that that's the case. And these are the, the top uh, American Facebook pages that are run by people from outside the United States. Number one, be happy, enjoy life. Number two, Jesus is my Lord. Number three, you can. Number four, speak loudly. Number five, purpose of life. These are the names of Facebook groups. Number six, positive quotes. Number seven, memories of a loved one. Number eight, smile and shine. Number nine, light of the world. Number 10, why not us? Number 11, happiness is in your mind. Number 12, my life. Number 13, life is beautiful. Number 14, blessing. Number 15, conscious reminder. Number 16, blessed. All of these Facebook groups are being run by trolls in Macedonia and Kosovo to disrupt American Christianity and American Republican politics. Isn't that incredible? I don't know what to do with that other than letting you know and warning people, but wow. We'll be right back. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. This is the Tom Hartman Program.
Our book today in the Tom Harmon Book Club is The Immortality Key, The Secret History of the Religion with No Name by Brian C. Mirarescu. This is from page 329. What was once informed speculation, relying purely on Greco-Roman authors like Dioscorides, Galen, and Apicius for the written support, is now a paleobotanical fact. The ancient Italians manufactured a wine with mind-bending ingredients. The solitary example that survived in the Pompeian countryside by the grace of Mount Vesuvius is certainly not alone. There are others out there. And as more open-minded archaeologists like Andrew Coe continue digging for the evidence, more examples will come to the surface in the years ahead. If the original Eucharist of Christianity was psychedelic, then many of the puzzling pieces are finally coming together. The find from the Villa Vesuvio adds even more detail to the story of Paleo-Christianity that we mapped out in the last chapter. The who, what, when, where, and why of the real origins of the world's biggest religion. Who? Women. Specifically Greek-speaking women with pharmacological expertise who may have used the portrayal of Mary Magdalene in both the Gospel of John and the Gnostic texts to justify their leading role in the newest mystery cult. Before Jesus, generations of women brewed the graveyard beers and mixed the graveyard wines in the Indo-European ritual that spread east and west of Stone Age Anatolia, the ritual act of communion that was by women for women. After Jesus, there were many women who dominated the house churches and catacombs that defined the faith, offering a safe haven for the old Greek sacrament that needed shelter from the wilderness. The witches of Persephone, who were the primary missionaries of the Phoenician secret cult, had every incentive to both influence and in some cases even become the witches of Christianity. Their sister witches of Dionysus all across the Magna Graecia were in the same boat. In Jesus, the wizard who died, laid for three days in a cave and was reborn, they may all have found a brother from the east. And in the Gospel of John, they may have immediately recognized the true drink that guaranteed the same experience to anybody who consumed the wine, God, to conquer death. After all, John appears to be writing for women in Ephesus, just a short hop from Phocia to its north. If anyone was going to understand his secret symbols and language, it was Greek-speaking women whose very job was to preserve, protect, and defend the magic they had inherited from their Ionian ancestors in Phocia. And if anybody could identify Jesus as the new god of ecstasy, it was the Maenads who had kept the cult of Dionysus alive in southern Italy for generations, and for whom Gnosticism would be a seamless transition to this new mystery religion. What? Drugged wine? All those plants, herbs, and fungi so heavily documented by the father of drugs and his sophisticated wine formulas, demonstrating a profound knowledge of dosing. With such toxic, deadly species at play, Dioscorides Encyclopedia is proof of a long tradition that could induce the not unpleasant visions in carefully measured amounts of potent botanicals. The archaeochemical finds at Tel Kabri and Tel Kadesh were the real life examples of spiked potions before Christianity. The paleobotanical discovery from the Villa Vesuvio is hard data of a drugged wine in the age of Jesus. 
And whatever pharmacon, the church father Hippolytus, accused Marcus and the female Venetian Gnostics of consuming. And just maybe the same pharmacon that fueled the ancient Greek trips to the underworld in the Christian refrigera that preceded and later competed with the above ground mass. When? The first 300 years after Jesus' death. Before Christianity became legal under Constantine, it was an illegal mystery religion fighting for survival in a hostile and unfriendly world. Its secret meetings and magical sacraments came under just as much suspicion as the Dionysian mysteries that were systematically targeted by the Roman Senate in 186 BC. The idea of the god of ecstasy obliterating all loyalty to family and country was not welcome in the Roman Empire in the thick of nation building. Similarly, the idea of making visionary wine available to poor folks and women of the 99% was just as offensive to the 1% of the religious establishment who had enjoyed their monopoly on religious ecstasy for millennia. At their core, Dionysus and Jesus were both absolute revolutionaries. To dismiss the real and present danger of their wine is to misunderstand the world into which the sons of God were born and the radical nature of their immortality potions. Because the sacrament was not only a threat to the status quo when it was driving people out of their minds, no one was worried about the alcohol that the Greeks or Romans never even found a word to name. Where? Magna Graecia and Rome. The book, The Immortality Key by Brian Mararescu. Let's talk about Republican land for a little bit. I, you know, I've, I've uh, kind of beating up on Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin and company, Kurt Schrader and others, but uh, there's, there's a lot going on in the Republican Party that I find absolutely fascinating and I'm not sure what to do with, but I think should be discussed. I'm going to get to Liz Cheney in just a second, but just to start out, there is a persistent rumor that is being reported in the media. This is not coming from me or this program. That Governor Kristi Noem of South Dakota, who has presidential aspirations, she wants to be the next Hillary Clinton, the, you know, the, the Republican woman running for president of the United States, only she wants to actually win. Uh, Hillary actually won by three million votes, but we have this technicality, this legal technicality called the uh, called the Electoral College. But let's not go down that road. Anyhow, uh, Christy Noem wants to be president, and she did a tour all around the United States a few months ago with uh, Corey Lewandowski. Both of them are married. He's got three kids. I don't know about her, but they're both married. And the rumor is that they were hooking up, shall we say. Now, who knows? But then there's this story, this is at the top of Raw story today, that Corey Lewandowski is now being accused by a woman with the unfortunate name of Trashell Odom, T-R-A-S-H-E-L-L-E. I'm not making it up. Maybe she pronounces it differently, I don't know. Trashell? Yeah, it's probably Trashell, that sounds a little better. Um, she's the wife of a very wealthy Idaho construction executive, a guy by the name of John Odom. And uh, she has told Politico magazine that Corey Lewandowski, quote, repeatedly touched me inappropriately, said vile and disgusting things to me, stalked me and made me feel violated and fearful. 
I am coming forward because he needs to be held accountable. I'm blessed to have a loving husband and family behind me. I want other women to know that you can be heard too, and together we can stop terrible things like this from happening. Lewandowski has also been accused of unwanted touching by pro-Trump singer Joy Villa, or Villa, V-I-L-L-A. His lawyers uh, say, we will not dignify this with any further response. This is kind of weird stuff, you know, just, just as, as a starting point, because Lewandowski is right at the core of Trump world. On the other side, so that's Trump world. Trump world is going through some stuff, shall we say, right now, between Lewandowski and Kristi Noem and, and this major, you know, Trumpy Republican donor, and not to mention what's going on with in red states where people are dropping like flies and you know, 37% ending up long-term dis disabled as a result of COVID and, and all that stuff, the stuff that we have been talking about. But, uh, and that's in Trump world, but in the anti-Trump world, on the Republican side, there's also a lot going on. Specifically, Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney, it appears, is going to be doing a presentation, a fundraiser in New Hampshire next month in a couple of days, on November 9th, in about five weeks. Now, why would Liz Cheney go to New Hampshire for a fundraiser? Well, that's what every politician does when they're going to run for president, is they hold a fundraiser in New Hampshire. It's a way of introducing yourself to the state. It's a way of getting your name in the local newspapers, because New Hampshire has the first primary in the nation. And if you can win that primary or place in the top three, then you've got momentum going forward. And it also, being a fundraiser, it puts you in front of the movers and shakers in the Republican Party in New Hampshire, which, of course, is key to the whole thing. Now, keep in mind, this is Liz Cheney, who Donald Trump has endorsed Harriet Hagman, who is in Wyoming, who is running against her in the primary, which will be next spring in Wyoming. So Cheney, on the one hand, she's fighting a primary opponent who's endorsed by Donald Trump. And this is, of course, because she, she voted for impeachment and because she thinks that uh, she's on the January 6th commission. She thinks that this should be investigated. So on the one hand, she's got Trump world coming at her or against her, trying to take her down. On the other hand, You've got a whole bunch of people in the Republican Party who have kind of officially left it. You know, the, the Joe Scarboroughs of the world, the Rick Wilsons, the Steve Schmitz, who are out there, uh, in the case of Rick Wilson and Steve Schmidt, God bless them, openly, loudly warning us about the fascistic tendencies and elements within the Republican Party, uh, you know, starting with Donald Trump, but spreading across the country. And, but there's still people who hold the values, to the extent that the Republican Party ever had values, of the old GOP, as does Liz Cheney. She's a neoconservative, a paleoconservative. I mean, these are, you know, there, there are still Republicans out there who hate Donald Trump and still think that the big banks should run Social Security, that the big insurance companies should run Medicare that there should be no food stamps or any other social safety net programs, that low-income housing should be called tent cities for homeless people. 
that me that Medicaid should be done away with. That the, the federal government has. I mean, it's there's 12 states, Republican-controlled states, that have not even expanded Medicaid. There are these Republicans out there who are not with Trump. And many of them have left their party. Many of them have not. Liz Cheney is still a Republican. And so there's this really interesting battle going on inside the Republican Party. And I'm just, you know, Louise and I were talking about this this morning. You know, if Liz Cheney actually got the Republican nomination for president, say in 2024 or 2028, She's been cleaning up her act. I mean, it's, it's, it seems like just in a, last weekend, big news. Liz Cheney has a sister who's gay or who's lesbian and has been estranged from her sister. I don't, I don't know if you've seen any of the movies or documentaries about this. Uh, the Veep, the, the, the movie that, uh, uh, you know, about, uh, about uh, Dick Cheney, uh, basically kind of has, has kind of a subplot in it or a, a secondary story in it, this whole story of the estrangement of the Cheney family because of, uh, I believe her name is Mary uh, Cheney, being lesbian. And Liz had just like, you know, kept her at arm's length or even rejected her. Well, over the weekend, Liz came out and said, I was wrong. And I'm, I'm okay with gay marriage now. And I hurt my own family and I apologize. Now that's most likely because gay marriage polls well over 50% among Republicans. Because even in white bread middle America, there are gay people. Lots of them. And, and, and of course, the whole spectrum, you know, LGBTQ. And, and so she's, it's, it looks to me like she's getting to run for president. So is it possible? Could she get elected? Would she become America's Margaret Thatcher? Would she be the Iron Lady? And what would that mean for America? I mean, Thatcher essentially, you know, destroyed Great Britain. I, I, I realize there are some Brits who will argue with that, but, uh, you know, took an ax to the unions, damaged the middle class uh, standard of living. The only reason she got, re you know, her party got reelected was the Falklands War, right? Her, I mean, her popularity rating was in the tank. It was in the 20s. As I recall, she was a 28 or 29 percent. So, hey, let's have a little war with Argentina over an island that nobody lives on. And all of a sudden, she's like, you know, 60, 70 percent popular, Maggie Thatcher. And if anybody knows how to have a war, it's members of the Cheney family. So what do you think? Do you think that I've gone over the uh, over the edge here? <laughs> Do you think Liz Cheney is going to be the Republican? Can the Republican Party pull itself back from Trumpism and go back to good old-fashioned Republicans like Liz Cheney, who just like to have wars and trash poor people, rather than, you know, try to, try to overthrow democracies? I don't know. I'm scratching my head on this one. But I see it coming. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.